This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. And joining me, if this was a few years back, he would be healthy scratch because he would be traded for a first-round pick so that they could have some physicality on the blue line. He's Craig Ludwig, two-time Stanley Cup champ. What's going on? Oh, you know. Um, That's props, man. You, I'm having you for a first. Oh, I thought you said you were trading me away. Oh, that's true. I am healthy scratching you. Yeah, I'm looking for some assets. Sorry. Yeah, well, speaking of assets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or asses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You sent, me a, you sent me a text message. You went to the game last night. so So I did. You know, it was a good game. I mean, I think it was a couple teams that are, you know, looking and possibly one for sure, but they're looking at, you know, going a long, long way here uh, when playoff time rolls around. Um, you know, I, I think we talked last week about not doing, you know, with Dallas, you know, what are you going to do at the deadline? Deadline's only a few days away. And, you know, I watched that game last night and I just, wonder what Jim Nill's thought process is. I mean, again, you, you have confidence that you have a good team and you want to, you know, it doesn't happen often when you got a team that you feel good about, um, you know, or uh, feel strongly about that, that can make it to the finals. And so I just wonder <clears throat> looking at it, do you, do you try to, do you try to send tweak something a little bit and, and yeah. not from the same, maybe it's just add something. Cause I, I look at, you know, we talk about the Dallas Stars having three depth lines and things like that, and you know, three three you know good lines. But when at the end of the day, you have one dominant line that, for the most part, you know, I looked at the just the shots, and you know, the the Hints line has twelve shots last night. Tyler, who I thought was really good, um, that line had five shots, and then you get down to your third line, they only have three shots. And then you flip it over to the Boston Bruins and they had a couple players, you know, their top players, not that they were invisible, but Brad Marchand and 
Bergeron, you know, they, yeah. they don't really hit the score sheet, um, you know, or, you know, shot wise, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't light it up last night. It was their second line. It, you know, Pasternak and Zaka and Hall. So yeah, Zaka you know, was he, special he, last night. Well, he was good. <clears throat> I mean, that goal he scored was, was a shot. He had another opportunity, I think early on in the game uh, on a power play that, that Ottinger couldn't see and he yeah. rang it off post and um and speaking of Ottinger he was Oof. he was fantastic again last night he he really was I mean that first period that could have easily been three four one um just the sustained pressure it was very similar to I mean we've talked about this on the pod Craig I can't wait if Carolina faces off against Boston that's going to be a crazy series um yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so there were two factors that stood out for me uh one was uh, Ottinger obviously kept them in the game, made some key saves, faced a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure in front of them, uh, caught some good breaks with some uh, bad puck rolls for the Bruins. But, you know, when you're on, you're on. And the other thing that I felt really propelled the Stars to keep them in the game and get the point, I thought it was the factor of the game, 81% win rate on faceoffs. They were dominant in the circle. And they went against Bergeron most of the night. And I'm not Foxa was tremendous last night in the circle, uh, as was uh, Ben was really good. Sagan was taking a lot of faceoffs, um, and I felt as though you know that allowed them to get puck possession, which was a premium in this game because you know they were struggling to get some puck possession in the first, especially. Yeah, uh, I mean that's one area that that Dallas, um, you know, they they. they they took it to another level. Um, and that's what I mean. I, I don't think that their top guys were their best guys last night. And again, Agreed. they have a, a few top guys, but um, <clears throat> you know, it, if you're going to, if you're going to, you're going to get into the final four, you have to be running on all cylinders and all parts of your game have to be in order. And I don't think there's anybody in, in Boston that's panicking because Bergeron was off on the face off circle. Marchand didn't have his, many incredible chances that he normally does. Um, their power play is dangerous. Uh, so is Dallas's. Dallas's power play is dangerous. Um, you know, they, they've got a goaltender there that's going to probably win the Vesna this year. I, I can't see him not winning it. Um, you know, so Monty's probably going to win the Coach of the Year award. Um, so they, they have a lot of things going on for him this year, and they have a lot of confidence. But along with that all comes some pressure. You know, now they're going to be expected to be in the finals. You know, so they how is that group gonna gonna handle the pressure? Um, so and they've got guys that have been there, done it. So I would expect them to go well. So <clears throat> you know, but but again, I, I think it was a good game by Dallas. I there was a shot <laughs> of uh, Pete DeBoer, the Stars head coach, um, early on in this game, and he just had one of them looks, and it and it was in the first two or three minutes of the game, and they had their initial shot from the from the TV cameras and he didn't look happy right from the start of it. And, and Boston was really good in the beginning. There were some turnovers and some quality chances. Um, that's where Jake, you know, Ottinger kept them, kept them alive in this yeah. whole game. And, and then again, Jason Robertson doesn't need a lot of chances and a lot of time to find the back of the net. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just, I, I said this last year about him. He does not have the puck on his stick very long ever, whether he's carrying it through the neutral zone and how many times you watch him come through the neutral zone he is not a guy that's going to try to beat somebody one-on-one. -on -one. He's not going to try, try to slide through two guys when he's one-on-two. 
he just gets to that blue line in the offensive zone and he distributes it, whether it's to Hans or Pavelski, and then he just skates by people. And that's exactly what happened. He gets a beautiful pass and it's on his stick and it's off his stick and the goaltender doesn't have time to, to close his legs. So, um, I think you again, remember it, it. Sorry. Keep going. My nope, bad. I was just going to say that top line was good again. Yeah. On the Bruins tying goal, one of the things that you've taught me is that you guys practice angles as defensemen. If we look at that tying goal, because I rewatched it and it just seems as though Yanni Hockenbach kind of was caught um, looking toward the center, which, you know, allowed them to go down to the wing. I, I just, it was, it was interesting because there were just a couple of little things that, you know, the Bruins clearly took advantage of. It's kind of like the overtime goal. The Stars were caught in their zone, uh, in the offensive zone a little bit, and that caused a uh, a, a breakout. Uh, the other thing, I, I'm not sure, if that's not Marchant, is that interference in overtime? I thought that was incidental. Yes, it was. It was? And it's interference? Exactly what he was doing. And, and you know what, though? That, that's part of your reputation. Okay. And, you know, you're not, this isn't your first time, you know, making a lap around the NHL. So, Brad Marchant is a, a great player. He's a player that plays on the edge. And anytime you're playing in a three-on-three, four-on-four, you know, you're just trying to create a little bit of a pick. He knew exactly what he was doing. And um, was it blatant and did it, you know, was it you know something you're going to get a, a major penalty for? No. But I, I, I credit, and I'm, this isn't saying, if it, if it was Jamie Benn that would have done the same thing, I'd say the same thing. It, it, was, a, it was a sneaky little pick that he wanted to just buy a little bit of space and and it didn't go you know I think that if he did it again he would try to do the same thing but he would tweak it a little bit and you can tweak those kind of things where you just kind of rub a guy you're not trying to get in front of somebody for two three seconds you're just trying to get your your teammate an advantage to get an edge on another player and that's all he was trying to do and he got caught and you could tell by his reaction he didn't say anything He, he looked around and he just skated right towards the bench. He knew he got caught. And, you know, and again, it's not like that's going to change his game. Um, would they do that in a playoff game? You know, maybe. Um, the whole thing about interference calls and things like that, especially in today's game, they're trying to create offensive opportunities in the league, and they've done a, a heck of a job of doing it. And, and it is a penalty. But, you know, for a long time, those things have been let go. And they started to crack down. But the one way you get away from it is you never stop your feet moving. You get in front of somebody, you skate with them. You actually skate in front of them and keep skating forward instead of trying to slow up because that's when, you know, that obstruction comes in. But you can make it look good as long as you you turn the corner and you just happen to get in front of them. But I'm not I'm not holding him up. He's on my back. And and I think, you know, and that's what happened is he kind of stopped his feet. Uh, you know, they, they kind of clicked a little bit and, but like I said, he knew it exactly what he was doing. It was a good call, but I, I would, ca- I would call it either way. You know, I wouldn't, uh, if, if I thought it was, you know, something that was ticky tacky, I, I would tell you regardless of what team, but I, I think he, he just got caught. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? All right. As I said, do it all the time. You come into a game, I I'm sure, you know, and, and Marshawn's kind of, he's kind of escaped uh, some things, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, but he's gotten, he's gotten caught a lot too. And, um, you know, so that's every time a referees are coming into a game, they know who's on the other team. They, they know what they've got to keep an eye on because they don't, they're going to hear it from the opponent coaches and the players. So, 
Um, you know, they're not going to let those kind of guys get away with it all the time. So, um, or more, more often than usual. So tell me when you're on the bench or you're on the ice and you can't, you can't score on a five on three when you had about a minute of that five on three, then it becomes five on four and then not being able to score in the overtime. You've been on both sides of that. How much momentum do you get from killing a five on three? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, I think you actually get more momentum, more momentum killing a, a penalty sometimes than you, than you do uh, from a power play. A power play is expected to, to build momentum. And, and you know, we, <clears throat> you don't have to always score, but you can spend you know, minute 40 and get, you know, four or five quality chances in a game on a power play. And then your next unit or your next line goes out and generally they pick up where you left off. Whereas a power play, you know, you're at a disadvantage. And if a goal is scored and it's a, you know, it's a great goal, it's like, yeah, that was a good goal. And, and a lot of times, you know, you look at, at a, at a kill like that and they played it textbook. I mean, all they did is they tried to keep it to the perimeter. Yeah. You give Mark the, the ability not to, not to have to face any of those chances right down the slot in, in that high danger area. And they come from the outside. You try to stay out of his, his, uh, his view. Um, so he can see the shots. And if you're going to be in front of, in his eye line, you got to block the shot and, and they do a great job at it. I mean, that, that's why they're the best team in the league. They're not just a team that, you know, relies on a top line. They have good penalty power, power play. They, they have the killers that do the job five on five. They do it. Um, you know, just look at the guy that scored the old overtime goal. Yeah. I mean, Pasternak is, you know, and he's sitting on, you know, I don't know what they're doing with a contract with him, but um, that's going to be a guy that they don't want to get away. So got to be like um, 10 million, Craig, I would think. I would think that it's got to, it's 10 or 11. It's got to start there. I mean, I I can't, you know, now you got, you got McKinnon making a little bit more than Connor McDavid right now, but, but regardless, their, their numbers start with a, with a one and a two. So I I just can't see him. Um, But again, you know, sometimes guys love it where they're at and they take that, whatever they want to call a hometown uh, discount, but, but he knows that, you know, there's a reason he hasn't signed that contract. So it's yeah. not, I'm thinking it's not exactly where he wants it. And the more that he does what he's been doing and scores goals like that, he's a big time player. You know, that that's kind of like a Robertson kind of a moment, you know, where, where I think you look at a guy like Jason Robertson for the stars, he's going to score those kind of big goals at those crucial moments in the games, whether it's uh, in regular season or in the playoffs. And so, um, yeah, he he's uh, but you just take a look at that guy and look and look at what Monty did with that line. I mean, now you you know you got those those three guys playing together. They take Pasternak away from Bergeron, uh, Bergeron and Marchand, and yeah. you know now all of a sudden that's what I mean. That's why when you when you sit there after last night's game as management and you say, well, you know they've been the best team in the league all year long, and when you get you get a, a firsthand look at it and and you see how dominant that their second line was. 
you know, Dallas's second line, second and third line have been good this year. I mean, yes, they have. I just don't know. You have to, that's a measuring stick game. I mean, do you come out of that game disappointed? No, you, you played with the big dog in the league this year. Um, you took them to overtime. Your goaltender had to be, you know, superhuman at times last night. Um, so you just look at depth. And I, I just wonder, yeah. are, are they thinking, does that now shift? Because there's been talk and, you know, we know we've, everybody's heard it. Does that mean that if you took Patrick Kane and you were able to put him with Tyler Sagan, you know, in, in March when all of a sudden, right? you know, does that, does that help that second line? Um, but again, all that kind of stuff comes down to money before it comes. Everybody would love to have Patrick Kane. If Dallas is up against the cap. Um, Plus they don't have that first round draft pick this year. Yeah, but there's probably other things that they might be able to, I mean, if they yeah. wanted to do it, but their bottom line is there from, from what I've heard, Chicago is willing to keep somewhere around 20% of, of uh, Kane's salary. That ain't going to do it. That that's not gonna, that's nothing that Dallas could, could probably fit into their end of their cap. So, you know, they, they would have to, you know, offer something and find a way to get that dollar amount way down. So, um, but anyway, it'd be, for me, it'd be hard. And it is because I said that I, I really like what Dallas has got um, and the way that they're playing and you want to give your, your guys an opportunity. If you could, I just, I just look at the depth of your, your second and third lines. And, you know, is there a hole on each? Not a, it's not even a hole. That's not what I mean to say. I mean, is there a way that we can upgrade it and, and give us a little bit more offensive power um, throughout our top three lines? Yeah. Uh I like the idea of a guy like James Van James Van Riemsdyk too. I know he's, you know, a veteran player, expiring contract. But what I like about that is he's he's a big guy. Um, you know, I thought the Bruins did a good job as far as what you mentioned, Craig, specifically on the power play. They really limited the Stars to perimeter shooting. And one of the things that I noticed, and it's a little things, it's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but minus Pavelski, pretty much. It was tough to get in front of Olmark. He had a lot of clean looks at the puck. I mean, he let those two in. I think probably, you know, he would say that he probably shouldn't have let those two in. But after that second goal, he was really good last night. But, um, you know, it's one of those things at the deadline. What I'm worried about is giving up too much, mortgaging the future for this year. Um you know, the East is the beast. and But, I mean, I guess if you're playing the East, that's not a bad thing because then you're in the Stanley Cup final. So I would like to see some pieces, but I don't want to give up a Logan Stankoven. Harley's playing pretty good in Texas, so I'd like to keep him, but I understand he would be an asset. Um, you know, I don't want to give up on Maverick Bork. Um, he's a youngster. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, I could see Ty DeLandria being a piece, but I love Ty DeLandria. So... Yeah, you know, he, I, I, I kind of go back and yeah. forth. Yeah, I, I just think he's there's an element there that he fits in good on a line. Agreed. Um, he's the kind of guy that, to me, you know, he gets another couple of years under his belt. And, you know, I've used Brendan Morrow as a, you know, comparable. And that's not fair to, to either one of them. But um, I just think he plays with an edge. He skates well. He's not afraid to go to the front of the net. You know, you, I, I think he's that kind of ingredient that, you know, what you what you try to do with lines is you find, you know, you've got your two two of the three guys, and then you find another guy that can just complement those two guys. And that's, to me, what Delandria can be, is he can complement 
whether it's a, a third line checking line or even if it's a top line, because you always need guys who are going to go to the front of the net and you need guys who are going to dig pucks out of the corner. You need guys who are going to finish checks. Some of the dirty things that top top five, six guys don't like to do. You know, it's not that they don't like to do it, not that they won't do it, but you don't want to have to have them do that. You want them to be able to create and and you know, use their creativity and, and shoot the puck and score goals. And you need guys that are willing to go to the front of the net and dig pucks out of the corner and take hits to make a play and, you know, and stand up for your teammate or your line mates. And so I like Delandria, um, you know, and again, uh, speaking of young guys, I thought Lundquist was good last night. I, yeah, you know, I did too. What I liked about him was there was no fear in playing against the top team in the league. There right. was no fear against who he was on the ice against. You know, he was, he was assertive. He stepped up in the offensive zone. He, you know, he did some things on the blue line, you know, where he, or for a young guy, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I, I really don't want to be on the ice and have a goal score. And so you kind of play tentative. And so anyway, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he was the best player on the ice, but, but I liked what he saw. I mean, what I saw last night against that opponent. Yeah, so, I, I agree. And, you know, Sean, Sean and I talked about this with when he was getting scratched. I just want him out there and I want him playing in these games. And I understand mistakes are going to, to happen, but I want those. If those mistakes happen, you know, he learns from them. Um, yeah, you got to be wanna... careful. They've got. I hope they've learned something from the Julius Honka yes. project because that, from in my opinion, that was the wrong way. Uh, I just, I just felt that, you know, he was in, then he was out for four games, and they sent him down, and they brought him up, and you know, I, I'm not saying he was going to be a Miro Heiskanen, but I just don't, I don't know if that was the right way to handle a young player like that, and I think his his confidence was was shattered. And, and it's always going to be part of young players, you know, and there'll be conversation. Listen, you're having a, you're playing well right now. We just think we could, I, sometimes I'm not even sure about all this, but you know what, take a game off and just get up in the stands and you're going to, you're going to see different scenarios live, not necessarily on tape all the time. You're not going to talk to the coaches about it. They're not going to walk in the room, just sit back and go, Oh, that's what I should have done there now. But that doesn't mean sit out for four games, play one game and then sit out for another three games and then get sent down and then, you know, and then come back and then don't play when you come back, you know? So um, I think that was a game where <clears throat> with, with them putting him in the lineup, and and playing against the Boston Bruins last night, I think they're at they're at a time during the season. Is let's see what let's see what this player can do against you know the best team in the league. 